Hello, I'm Philip Brain. And I'm Harry Clennon. And you're listening to Reflections by Spectacles. Today we're going to be talking about an insight that I wrote about Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro and the prospects for a disputed election in 2022 and what that could mean for Brazilian democracy. Just to get us started, one thing that I wanted to talk about was Lula da Silva, the main opposition candidate who's looking like he's going to win the election. He's been really popular in the past. He probably would have won the 2018 election if he weren't, if he hadn't been in jail. And he will probably win the 2022 election as long as he isn't reconvicted on the same corruption charges, which is actually possible, but unlikely. And I anticipate it's disappointing to some readers who really care about democracy that I say in the article, basically, yeah, this guy's probably corrupt. He probably was guilty of the things he was charged with. I stand by the fact that his conviction was right to be overturned because of just the patently unfair and politicized judicial process that he was put through. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was not due process. So I definitely stand by that. But he probably was guilty of a high degree of corruption. So it's probably dissatisfying to a lot of readers for me to say he's the best bet Brazil has, because ideally you would want a president who is not corrupt and cares about democracy. But the truth is that Brazilian politics is rife with corruption. I mean, it's an endemic problem. One of the things I want to say is that I sort of agree that it's a little disappointing to say that. While I think that Lula da Silva is clearly Brazil's best bet right now as a top contender and far better than Bolsonaro, and I hope he wins the election, and I hope we don't see an attempted military coup. Right. Which I think is... Plausible. Pretty plausible. Yeah. With the degree of support that Bolsonaro has cultivated amongst the military and the kinds of things that he's said publicly, Mm -hmm. like the quote that we started the article with, that there are three outcomes, victory, death, or arrest. Yeah. Um, That's a pretty clear statement that says... I'm not going to take a loss lying down. And he's done all kinds of groundwork laying for a dispute of the election. So I hope he wins. I hope it goes over smoothly. But I have to say, it's it's not, in my view, long-term win for Brazilian democracy for Lula to get elected. It is a momentary respite from a direct threat. But I think as we see in South Africa, corruption has been endemic to the African National Congress, Mm -hmm. the party which has led South Africa since the 90s with Nelson Mandela. It's been endemic in that party ever since then. Mm -hmm. Finally, South Africa recently got a president, Cyril Ramaphosa, who is trying to root out corruption. But it's really hard yeah once you've let corruption thrive in a political party and in a political system for you know the better part of three decades Mm -hmm. it's really hard to root that out so well i hope lula wins i i am hoping that we see more progress in brazil toward rooting out that history of corruption because as we've seen in south africa not only is it hard to root out but it can pose real threats to democracy when you try to root it out and those who have a vested interest in maintaining the corrupt system are willing to willing to cause real problems for the democratic process to keep that power that they have. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. I suppose I'm not in. I certainly wouldn't call it disagreement, but to sort of look at it from a slightly different angle, when you have a country where corruption is sort of the you know rate the cost of doing business, yeah, it doesn't emerge as the most immediate concern. By that, I guess I mean elections. You you would rather have elections where people consciously are going are going to the polls and know that there's meaningful contestation for power right corruption may be part of that it's also worth pointing out i think that for a lot of regimes and i think you're saying this about about south africa is right these these networks of clientelism between public officials and business people um, and political parties are common in emerging democracies and i think you know corruption seems to me as one of those things where it's a long-term project because it's in it. I, I, I'm trying to think of the, the best way to say it, but it's sort of an embedded political norm that that's how politics works. Politics functions yeah. through some level of corruption. Um, and I don't, I don't know enough about the specifics of Lula's case, as I don't for many democracies, but I do think that that's something that you have to take into account in terms of how those sort of quid pro quo arrangements function sort of within the context of democracy I guess what I'm saying is perhaps they're not entirely antithetical to some form of democracy, right? They may even, I don't want to say complement, but be part and parcel of some form of emerging democracy, which Brazil, Brazil, I guess you could probably say still, still is, is, is an emerging democracy, right? Yeah, after I mean, that, only since 1985. Since 1985, right. But I think you're right, is that the long-term project of any democracy is to root out corruption. And so I guess, it, and, and, and this I agree with you, is, you know, you're, it's sort of a matter of prioritizing yeah. different short-term and long-term concerns, especially because, I, I, again, I, I don't know enough about the case of Brazil, but I would imagine that, you know, Jair Bolsonaro and his party are probably involved in some level of public corruption. Yeah. Okay. As well, right? So it's so it it's a question of how you prioritize those different concerns, I suppose, is what I'm saying. And I think we agree yeah. on that. But that is, but that is, I guess, and 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 again, to your point, is why it might feel disappointing to people who are in the U.S. I assume, right, largely, although we have our own kind of corruption, people who are in the U.S. to see something like that and think, well, that's not democracy. It's very understandable to have that. To, to, to feel that way but there is like a sort of pragmatic realism i think that and is involved with the, with that and i think the the important point here is it may seem from reading my article or listening to my article that it's a fairly intuitive or non-controversial position to come to say that lula is a better alternative than bolsonaro but because of the corruption that he and his party have been involved in in the past there is really not a shortage of American or European publications from 2018. I remember reading them Mm -hmm. basically saying Lula is corrupt. It's good that he's in prison. And oh, interesting. He is because Lula was basically saying when he was in prison, I'm going to run anyways from Mm -hmm. prison. Obviously that didn't work out and that was a long shot political attempt, but there, there was really no shortage in 2018 of pieces. I remember particularly from The Economist saying basically that like this guy is corrupt and he should be in jail and he's really not better than Bolsonaro mm-hmm. because he is corrupt. Because the perspective is a lot of times, and I think you're hinting at this in, Amer- in from the American and from the European or Western European perspective, the idea is if you aren't democracy at its best then 
all's equal yeah among those who aren't democracy at its best right so to, so to a publication like the economist bolsonaro was making all kinds of populist claims in his in his campaign right and things like this that looked like by the end of his presidency could create the kind of situation we're about to see I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone really didn't predict this happening right he's not good for democracy but neither was De silva because he was corrupt right and so they're equal and that i think is revealing of what you're talking about because we expect democracy to be not corrupt and if it's corrupt it's not democracy yeah when the process of democratic development takes a long time like you're saying in a lot of cases perhaps in most cases corruption is part of the process of developing a democracy and you have to work through that aspect of democratic development Mm -hmm. and if you get caught up in this idea that every bad actor is equal or every less than perfect actor in politics is equal Mm -hmm. i mean it's not true some people are more dangerous to democracy than others right and i think that Bolsonaro is patently, it should be obvious from the kinds of things he's saying right now, that he is more dangerous to democracy than somebody who takes bribes. Right. That sounds, that sounds really sort of cynical, but it's the truth. And those are sometimes the hard realities that you have to deal with because it's better to preserve most of democracy, maybe sacrifice part of it to this corruption for now then lose the whole thing to an egomaniac with the military in his back pocket. Right. Who cares nothing about democracy. That, I think, goes to another point that you made in the article. It's not so much explicit, but I think it's there implicitly in in an important way. That the charge of corruption can be leveraged, it may be true or not true, but it can be leveraged politically by someone in the system like Bolsonaro or by his supporters, by the right wing of Brazilian politics against you know, Lula da Silva or Dilma Rousseff, who was his successor mm-hmm. during the earlier part of the 2010s and then was impeached around the middle of the decade on the charge of corruption. Those charges can be leveraged by one corrupt element of, of Brazilian politics or any political community against another part. And both of them may have issues with corruption, but you can use the charge right. effectively as a campaign tool, which is in itself can be corrosive of democracy if we are looking at a case where you have a far right wing that is explicitly anti-democratic or pretty clearly anti-democratic against a pro-democratic but also corrupt left or maybe liberal wing so i think that's an interesting thing right because you wrote in the article that lula is vulnerable to these allegations of corruption definitely and but um, he is very popular right he is currently very popular and it and he and he leads in in the opinion polls the point there is that that corruption may exist but it's also an effective political cudgel not defending public corruption but that it is an effective political cudgel that one element which may itself also be corrupt can use against another because politicians will lie and they'll use any means necessary especially if you're Jair bolsonaro any means necessary to maintain and even grow your political power yeah a really familiar example to sort of see this at a different scale or in a different situation at play here in the u.s it was a big part of Donald Trump's 2016 campaign rhetoric was these Democrats are corrupt. Mm-hmm. And there's there's some complexities to the populist rhetoric that Trump was using that we'll probably talk about in a bird's eye series on populism eventually. But just very briefly about the corruption thing, he, a big part of his campaign rhetoric was the Democrats are corrupt. I am an outsider who can fix it. The, the trouble 
with that rhetoric and what enables it. And this is why I'm trying to make a point of we ought to be aware of how messy democracy can be, is that if you have this conception that democracy is or ought to be perfectly clean, well-oiled machine with no compromises in its, in its sort of ethical conduct, right. you are going to be susceptible to those to that kind of rhetoric. Right. Because all it takes is somebody like Donald Trump coming along and saying, these people are corrupt and I am virtuous and I'm going to give you the perfect democracy. Right. And that doesn't exist. Yeah. And it very quickly transforms from I'm going to give you the perfect democracy to I'm going to give you the perfect regime free yeah. of corruption. Right. And that regime may not be democratic. It, it turns out an easy way to remove to 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 give the appearance of removing corruption and this has happened many times all over the world. A great way to give the appearance of removing corruption is to remove all the other people. Yep. And if you are the one legitimate political actor, you just remove everybody else. And where did the legislature go? Where did the Supreme Court go? Right. They were right. all corrupt. Right. I am the perfect regime. Right. And that's, that is the natural course of that rhetoric. It's just important that we remain grounded in, in the knowledge that democracy is really messy. Yeah. And that, yes, we want it to be less corrupt. And we want it to develop into a better and cleaner system all the time. But it will never be perfect. And anyone who tells you, like Jair tells people, we need to reform. He's been saying this. We need to reform the voting system with this constitutional amendment to make it perfect and clean with this amendment that I like. That is the guy saying, I'll make it perfect. Right. There are infinite things in a democracy that are imperfect that you can point to and say, I can make it perfect. Yeah. But there is no perfection. Yeah. There is just doing better. Right. Doing better than the other thing. Yeah. And Lula is an example of, we just have to hope that Brazil does better than the other thing, which is Jair Bolsonaro. Right. And you have to take it one step at a time and not get lost in this idea that Anything less than perfect is equally bad. And what we should be striving for is someone who promises perfection. Right. Because that trust you're just going to, you're just going to get manipulated. It. Yeah. I mean, politics involves trade-offs. So I think that that's, it, it constantly involves trade-offs yeah. and you shouldn't necessarily, you shouldn't have to countenance corruption. Of course. You, I mean, it, it, it is not, it's really not endemic and large scale corruption. Yeah, it's not, it's not a quality of, 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 of a thriving democracy. It's not. And you could probably say that to some extent, Donald Trump is right, that there is some level of corruption, which we shouldn't be tolerating in Congress. There are kickbacks from pharmaceutical companies and all kinds right. of we things. We have our own and, form of legal and ass corruption. And, and, and revolving doors of congressional representatives and senators going into private industry with cushy jobs because they pushed legislation that these companies wanted while they were in office. There is corruption in America. Right. And we should criticize it. Yeah. But we can't get taken in by the guy who says he can make it perfect. I interrupted exactly. you though. So what? No, I think gonna... that's I think that's what I was saying. Is that politics necessarily involves trade offs and dealing yeah. with interests, and it, it's utopian to think that that it can or will be. Otherwise, I'm not saying make peace with corruption. Corruption is just one <laughs> example that we're talking about yes. here, and like widespread endemic corruption in Brazil, you know, dirty campaign finance laws in the United States, and a revolving door are not things that we should you know just sit down and say, well, that's the way we have to do business. 
it's that those quick and clean solutions, elect me and I'll make it better, are the things you should really set off your BS detectors. They, yeah, yeah. And so that's... There is no quick and easy solution to these long-term, difficult, complex problems. Right, right, right. That's, I think that that's important. And that is disappointing, right? That is, yeah. that is disappointing because we all want things to be perfect because and we want things to be better because we're moral people and things like corruption set off our moral alarms and they should. Yeah, but we have to recognize that that reform is a process and that we have to be skeptical of people who are promising quick solutions because frequently their solutions are not solutions. Yeah. That's all for today. If you enjoyed, consider subscribing to Spectacles in Conversation for more discussions like these between the editors from Reflections and Birdseye. If you'd like to hear each new article of Focus and Insight, like the one we discussed today, read aloud, click the link in the show notes for Spectacles Out Loud. If you'd like to read or make a comment about the article we just discussed, there's also a link in the show notes for our website, where you can also sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already. Thanks for tuning in.